Hustle culture is cute in theory, but eventually it leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment. Then again, as enticing as it sounds to sit in meditation for years as a monk, abandoning Western culture altogether is not really an option for most of us. So where is the in-between? I like to think of it as a world where dreaming big and living slow coexist. I'm Tia, host of Dream Big Live Slow, a podcast for entrepreneurs like myself seeking a life of soul-filled work that still allows time for those slow moments that make us feel the most alive. Join me as we break down realistic mindfulness tools used by real entrepreneurs working towards a life of both dreaming big and living slow. Also, be sure to check out the end of every solo cast episode for free guided meditations. All right, let's do this thing. You guys are in for such a treat today with this episode. I had no idea that Lizzie was like the most hilarious ray of sunshine. Um, well, I, I, I did know that, <laughs> um, but just this just proves it even more. Anyway, she's full of wisdom. Can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get started, I really just want to ask a huge favor. If you enjoy this podcast, please just tell someone, share it with a friend, subscribe, leave a review. That is the best way um, you can give me a virtual hug. Um, and I hope you feel the virtual hugs when you hear these episodes to you because I'm doing it uh, out of pure love for my fellow entrepreneurs. And um, I just am so grateful for you out there listening. And um, I want to I wanna know who's out there listening. So be sure to um, spread the word and let me know what you think. Okay, here is the episode, All My Love. All right. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm super jazzed to have the incredible Lizzie LaCour on the podcast today. Lizzie uh, is the founder of Kinship Content, and that's a web design studio for the health and wellness industry, but she is um, the most fun person to follow (laughs) on Instagram, I will say. Um, And she, following her journey of both mindfulness and entrepreneurship has been a joy to watch online. So I can't wait to dive into your story more. Lizzie, thank you for being here. Oh my goodness, Tia. That is so kind of you. I need to just record that one clip and like listen to it every morning as my pump up jam to be like, yes, okay. (laughs) Very Uh, kind. (laughs) You deserve all the hype, my friend. Um, So yeah, let's just get started with kind of, can you tell everyone a little bit about um, who you are and your story of how you kind of got on this entrepreneurship path. Yeah, definitely. So um, as you've already very eloquently announced, I am the founder of Kinship Content. So we are a currently a web design studio, right, for kind of the holistic health and wellness industry. So I really work a lot with health coaches, nutritionists, healers, yoga teachers, that whole space. Um, it's something that I'm personally involved and passionate about. Um, so being able to blend my creativity and kind of my, my as well as my marketing know-how, because my, my, past, my past experiences in marketing with the health and wellness space is completely life-giving. 
Um, my business journey has definitely been more of like, I kind of envision it as a, a jungle gym over a straight staircase or trajectory. <laughs> it's been kind of all over the place and a lot of trial and error. Um, but now that I am where I am, I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. So I actually started Kinship officially in 2018. Um, I had been working in marketing at a vegan protein bar company based out of Denver. And I just kind of had a moment with myself where I really was just uninspired. Um, and I felt like, you know, it was the classic story, right? Where I just knew that I really didn't want to work for someone else. Um, and I wanted to kind of have more uh, flexibility and freedom over my life. And I was having a pretty tough time working at this company. And I remember I came home one day and I was super upset and I just started writing down, like, what are the things I want and what are the things I don't want? And the main thing that the main theme that kept coming up for me was I want the flexibility and the freedom to design my own day. That was a huge thing for me because at the time I was getting up super early. I was stressing before work, you know, commuting. And then I had to be at certain places at certain times. And even if we weren't busy on a particular day, I still had to be there. And that just drove me crazy. And so I realized, okay, maybe this means I want to try freelancing or starting a business. I had, I have no story that starts as like, well, I had this vision and I knew what I wanted to do. Um, nope, that wasn't really my story. It was more kind of one clumsy foot in front of the other, um, trying to figure out what was going to be the most aligned with where I wanted to go in my life. And so long story short, um, I had a lot of social media experience from working on the marketing side of that company. So I kind of, you know, said, okay, I know how to do social media. Um, however, I know nothing else. You know, I know nothing about building a business. I don't know a lot about the digital marketing landscape. So I started investing in courses. I took a lot of online courses. I would, you know, get up pretty early before work and start taking, you know, courses on email marketing and, and content marketing and all that kind of stuff, kind of drinking from the fire hose. Um, fast forward, I thought, okay, I, I think I could kind of package this up and do sort of like a social media di digital marketing kind of thing. Let's just like give it a go. And so, um, I started applying for different random, uh, remote, like contract positions that I found online. And I ended up getting my first social media client, um, with a company called AFPA Fitness, which I still actually work with them today. And your sister, Molly, who is a light in my life and a lifesaver, <laughs> also helps me with AFPA. That's a whole nother story. But I got this client and they were a pretty, like a, a larger client. And I just said, you know, I can't do this with my current nine to five job. So I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to quit and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to babysit if I need to. I'm going to work at restaurants. Um, and then the next two years, it was just stumbling into like building up a social media agency. I invested in coaching. Um, I figured it out. Very, very messy process. But I got to a point to where I felt really good about my about where my business was. I had a roster of clients. Um, and then fast forward, and we're in 2019, halfway through 2019, my husband and I moved to Europe. So we were originally in Colorado, where you are, Tia, and um, we moved to Germany for my husband's job. And I was super excited about the move to Europe, obviously super grateful for the experience, but it actually ended up being pretty challenging, more challenging than I thought it would be at first. 
Um, and I had a really hard time mentally. And I also started to uncover during that time that part of it was because I just really resented my job. <laughs> so this, this business that I had built up, uh, I realized that I really did not like doing social media and I wanted to pursue something else. And so long story short, over the span of, the, of about a year and a half to two years, um, I started to really explore what a more creative role would look like. I've always been super creative. I've always been really interested in design. I also had built a couple of websites before in the past, and it's something that I kept feeling called to. So I, again, invested in coaching, and I took the leap and figured out exactly that this was what I wanted to do. I felt so much more aligned. And then combining the health and wellness industry with uh, website design was kind of the perfect niche. And so that's been about two years now. And here I am in 2021. And I feel like I'm so grateful that I um, recognize that I wasn't fulfilled in the previous thing that I had built up. And I didn't feel like I had to be married to it because now I can truly say that like, okay, I really love what I'm doing now. And it's been difficult to get here, but that is the, I don't know how to like give my story without kind of <laughs> telling yeah. you a novel, but um, no. that's kind of the long winded way of saying, this is how I got to be where I am now. No, I think every part of that is so powerful and important um, because you started out talking about um, how it all started with wanting freedom and flexibility, um, which is where I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs maybe start. Yeah. Uh, and then it can be really easy <laughs> to like start doing the thing and realize, oh shit, I um, actually don't have any freedom or flexibility, like because Absolutely. I'm so married and and tied to this um, what I'm building, and um, it's not really you know what set. And if it, it it's still like back to that it doesn't set me on fire, um, which is why I started a business in the first place. And yes. I thought the freedom and flexibility would be enough, but still, if you're missing that kind of like passion and purpose behind it, it can be, uh, still unfulfilling. So can you talk a little bit about that process of making that switch? Like, um, as far as the, the internal work that you had to do to yes. understand that about yourself? Oh, I love this question. And to be honest, it's still an ongoing thing because I will say that I'm not in a place now where I feel like, okay, this is it. But I also don't know if I will ever get to that place because as humans, we're always evolving and changing, right? Our interests change, our life experience changes. I know that my business is going to continually be evolving. So the more that I've realized that, the easier it's gotten to kind of cultivate the mindset of being okay with the uncertainty and kind of being more okay with the chaos. So I think we've all learned, right, in the past year with COVID, um, a lot of lessons. And one of them for me was like understanding that no matter what, um, everything is uncertain at the end of the day. So for me... Yeah. When I sat down and, and started to really explore why I was kind of going through a, a period of like, it was, it was a period of depression, I would say, but to be honest, I was never officially diagnosed and I don't like to self-diagnose, um, but it felt pretty, it, I didn't feel like myself. And it was a pretty consistent time period of feeling that way. It wasn't, um, you know, a couple of days out of the month or up and down. Um, and so it really did take me 
turning inward and asking a ton of questions, which has kind of been my strategy really since then, whenever I'm trying to determine why am I feeling this way? Why am I upset about this seemingly insignificant thing? Usually it's something that is deeper, right? Um, right. But I usually don't get there unless I am very curious and I sit down and I continually ask myself, okay, well, why do I feel this way? Why? Why? I usually go through a lot of whys. And for me at that time with the social media situation, I had no idea that I was depressed or feeling depressed feelings um, because I wasn't happy with this job that I built up. I thought that it was, well, we moved abroad. I miss my family. This has been really challenging. That definitely contributed to it. Um, but the more that I sat down and obviously just gave myself space to just feel and ask a lot of questions, um, cause I didn't have access to therapy right away when we moved to Germany. I'm a big proponent of therapy. Um, it's just more difficult over here to really, uh, find it and as an expat specifically. Um, so I kind of had to do my own, uh, internal work, uh, and, do, and work with what I had, you know, at the time. Um, and the more that I did it, the more that I realized, Lizzie, look at your background. I worked in nonprofits before I worked in marketing. And I've always had, my, my mom was a teacher for the deaf and blind. Um, I've always kind of had this philanthropic um, like vein running through me. And I always felt like I had this internal compass of, I have to do work that feels really aligned with what my core values are. And for me, social media is not really aligned with my core values. I think it's a tool. I think that um, it can be obviously something that can be really great. And I have a lot of fun on social. And right now I'm in a good relationship with social media. But as a whole, um, it's not something that I totally feel aligned with. And once that clicked, it was after a series of like asking questions, I thought, oh, okay, this is what it is. And I felt really overwhelmed at first as I thought, well, this is what you've chosen to do. This is what you've built up, you know, so you, you're stuck yeah. with it. Um, and that went on for a little while of feeling dread, dread basically is, is the only emotion I can really uh, think of at the time was like, well, dang, like you did it and now too late. Um, but it wasn't until I was introduced to a girl, Alexis Rockley, who I will sing her praises um, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> She's the best. Um, she came into life, my life at the perfect time. And um, I actually ended up working with her as she coached me to basically get out of the rut I was in and, and uncover the limiting beliefs, which is like such a buzzword these days. But it's so true once you start to really uh, discover the stories that you tell yourself. Um, and she, she really helped, uh, she was definitely integral, an integral part of me, um, crawling out of that social media, uh, hole and, and realizing that I can actually make a change and I can do something that is more aligned with me. Um, and so it, yeah, it took a lot of internal work, um, and it took a lot of accountability from Alexis, but eventually, um, I've gotten to where I am now, which I'm super grateful for. Amazing. Mm. I want to talk more about uh, the decision for holistic health and wellness, because if, yeah, you had this, like, how did you realize that was, that was kind of what felt aligned, that specific niche, uh, going from nonprofits and, and um, then kind of switching to feeling like this is aligned. I mean, how did you, why it's, it's not, 
it's very specific. <laughs> so yes. so curious how you came to to really realize this is something you care about. Why do you care so much about it? Yeah, it is super specific, right? Um, so it honestly was a bit easy for me. I think uh, finding a niche can be definitely a struggle. Um, and I'm grateful that the holistic health and wellness industry was just a no-brainer for me. I would say... Um, my own interests are health and, and wellness. And the word wellness, I'm starting to not even really like because I feel like the word wellness, um, it, it brings up images of perfection or products, you know, or mm. face masks. Um, I don't know, just, just things that to me are just so not what wellness is about. Yeah. Um, but as a whole, um, you know, I grew up in the South. So I'm from Alabama originally, actually. Um, And I did not grow up with the healthiest, um, I don't know, I guess, lifestyle. Like, I mean, in the South, we have really good food, but it's all about fried chicken and, um, you know, all of that Southern comfort food, which I still love and I still eat today. Um, But my mom actually had a lot of a host of health problems growing up. And it wasn't until she discovered um, kind of like plant-based eating approach that she realized, uh, and, and she tried it out for herself that her health issues started to dissipate. They started to go away. And that was kind of a, a, a defining moment for me when I thought, wow, it kind of all clicked, like what, what I eat and the way that I, and the way that I take care of myself actually can help change physical ail- ailments that we have. Right. And so yeah. it started to click for me. And then I just kind of became obsessed. Like the more that I learned about food and the more I learned about nutrition and the more I learned about fitness and, and meditation and, and mindfulness, um, the more obsessed I became with it. Um, but I always knew I don't really want to be a coach. I don't really want to be a nutritionist. Um, I really love being creative and I like, and I'm really good at marketing as well. And so fast forward, right? This has been a passion of mine for a while, just something that I'm naturally involved in. And then I started working for AFPA um, and I manage their community. So I actually manage their their group of graduates. So whenever their graduates um, go through the program and they become certified, Um, We have a community for them on Facebook where we basically help answer questions about building their own businesses and and marketing and design and all that kind of stuff. And when I was in that group, it started to really click for me that, wow, a lot of these a lot of these people are graduating and they are equipped with all of this really incredible knowledge. And they know they're going to they're going to go on and they're going to positively this sounds so cheesy, but they are going to literally change people's lives. Like I always say that and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> stop being so cheesy. No, I feel it. But it's true. Like these, oh, they're just so, they're so passionate about the work. They're so passionate about transforming other people's lives. Um, but a lot of them don't know anything about building a business or building a website um, yeah. or what it takes to really build a solid, cohesive brand, which is super important to differentiating yourself because it's a crowded space. Um, and that's something that just comes really natural to me. I know marketing like the back of my hand at this point, design, web design, um, and I would just be helping them with a lot of their questions in the group. So that was when it kind of clicked for me was it was like, oh, like there's this whole market out there of people that could really actually benefit from my services and something that I can offer. 
Um, and these are my people, right? So it's like when you build your own business, naturally, I'm going to gravitate towards people that already feel like they're my people, you know? Um, so when I'm on the phone talking to potential clients or talking to clients, like we just get each other, um, which makes it a whole different experience. So I, I love it. I love being able to build a website for someone. I, I have a client that's coming up this month and she, she's an end of life doula. So she works with people. This is kind of grave, but like, she has a whole story. This is kind of her, her legacy business based off of some stuff that's happened to her in her own life. But she helps people um, navigate losing someone uh, prematurely. So if you have someone that's going to be going through, they maybe have a terminal, um, a terminal uh, diagnosis or something like that. Um, yeah. You can hire her to navigate that. Not only the emotional and and mindfulness aspect, but also the technical aspect of like what are the things I need to think about with you know my with taxes or like X Y Z. I get to work with this woman and she has an incredibly impactful career. So like that to me is the best. I just feel like I've been able to blend the both the best of both worlds, you know? I think that, yeah, that's incredible. And that's totally something that um, I'm stepping into with uh, my love of storytelling and also um, mindfulness, you know, and meditation. And so um, I, I have seen um, how the two, how you can take kind of, two things you're passionate about or like your skill set and your passion and blend them and uh make make a business out of them that is super fulfilling and um I kind of have been thinking a lot about uh niching down um lately because mm-hmm. it's something that I'm trying to do to actually implement in my business and it's not so easy like to just decide okay I'm going to turn down anything that doesn't feel aligned yes or, or saying no um and then saying yes to the right things um so I feel like but I do ultimately feel like when the more I step into it it's better for my mental health in a way mm. um I love that you, can you talk a little bit about like how, what advice would you give someone who is, has heard this a million times in the business world <laughs> that they need to do it, but, uh, is having a hard time actually doing it. I know it's such a, it's such a, uh, yeah, the, it's a, it's an overused term, I guess. Right. Um, yes. I, I'm one to, I had a call yesterday with a gal, actually, this is on, on topic, but she, she's younger. She's, she's in her earlier twenties and she's, um, a nutritionist, but also still trying to, to navigate, you know, what is it, what is the next step for me? And the first thing I said to her was, you know, just so you know, like we're all figuring it out. (laughs) And so I may be a few years ahead of you. Um, but I'm, you know, none of us have, have actually made it kind of like what I came to earlier. And I also said that like, also throughout your business journey, you're going to hear a lot of advice. And my biggest advice, even for in terms of also finding your niche and listening to my advice is take as much advice as you can. um, And then sit with yourself and determine what is the best path for you. Because one piece of advice um, may not work for other people. Like we are living in a time where almost anyone can become a business owner. However, people are coming to the table with different privileges and different life experiences and different challenges. So 
to just have blanket business advice can be pretty difficult and sometimes sometimes limiting, I think, right? So anytime I give advice, I like to have like a disclaimer that's like, okay, this is what worked for me, but also take it with a grain of salt and realize that maybe bits and pieces of it, bits and pieces of it will work for you, but um, there may be your own path as well. And so, yeah, for niching, I think for one, I don't think you need to have a niche when you're first starting out. I think so. I just happened to fall into it pretty quickly and I pivoted pretty quickly. I don't think that has to be the case for everyone. Um, sometimes I think people discover their niche as they just start doing the work and as they start taking on clients, you quickly discover like, oh, working with that client really was fun. Or like, uh, that client, uh, like, <laughs> don't want to do that again, you know? Painful, um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we've all been there, right? So I think that if you're just starting out, don't feel the pressure that you have to like niche down right away and just take messy action forward. Um, and I really believe that you can, you can start to kind of determine who the types of people you want to work with. And also you'll start to determine, you'll start to figure out more of the challenges that your ideal clients have and the different various ways that you can solve them. I'm still learning this every day. Um, and like the best ways that I can show up for my clients. And I wouldn't have been able to figure that out if I had just tried to figure it out without working with clients first. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think that's like the first thing. And then in terms of technical pieces, um, there's kind of a little bit of a formula, right, for a, for a good niche. So the first one is like, do you have access to the niche, right? Does it kind of make sense for you? Do you have either experience with this niche? Or in my case, I had experience with the niche, but also it's just part of who I am. So I can easily connect with people in this space because I get what they're doing, you know, and I get, um, what their, what their pain points are a lot of the times. Um, and so I think that's the first thing to ask yourself is like, what's already available to me? Um, whether it's your, your hobbies or the community that you live in, um, or your life experience. Right. So that's kind of the first like question that I, I would try to flesh out. And then start to determine, okay, well, within, if you have a couple of niches in mind based off of this, like first you have to determine if there's a need for what you offer in that niche, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of the second step. So, okay, let's say like for, you know, health and wellness, do they, do they need web design? Well, yeah. And the more that I started to look, that's what also I was doing this research myself and to be totally honest with you, I really accelerated when I started doing research into websites in the health and wellness space because a lot of them are really bad. <laughs> awesome, fugly health and wellness. Yes. <laughs> and I just, I would land on these websites and be like, I just want to help you do better. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just the honest truth. So for me in that case, I was like, okay, there's a need here. Um, I also had a unique situation because I did have direct, um, sorry, my chair is very squeaky. Um, I had direct, <laughs> we love the ambiance. Yes. Thank you. Um, I had like, you know, direct, direct experience with, with my ideal niche. So I had a, I had an advantage there, but if you yeah. don't have something like a, a, a Facebook group with all of your ideal clients that are talking about their challenges, like I did, <laughs> um, I do also say, you know, first of all, look to your own community first. So if you have a 
Instagram presence, a, a social media presence, an email presence, um, straight up, just start pulling and asking people. And if you don't already have a community, then start going into your, comp your competition or anyone that has a similar audience to you. And I like to do research by checking their comments. So I try to find people that are within my niche um, that have pretty engaged followings. And you will get a lot of answers to your questions within the comment section of like an Instagram post. People will be asking the poster questions and talking about their own challenges and their own experiences. And, oh, this was super helpful for me. That can be really valuable. Um, you can also just ask people. So I actually um, am in a group for brand designers on Facebook. Um, I think Molly's in there as well. I've seen her in there. And yeah. um, I saw recently where um, Jen, who is one of the hosts, she was saying when she first started out, she was doing research into figuring and determining her niche. And she just found some people on Instagram that she felt like could fall into her niche. And she reached out to them and just asked them like three direct questions, just being like, hey, you know, super friendly, just saying, I'm, I'm actually doing some research. It wasn't, wasn't a sales pitch. It was, it was nothing like that. It wasn't intended to be a pitch. It was just genuine like market research. This is kind of like the solopreneur, entrepreneur, freelancer's way of doing market research, right? In big companies, they pay agencies to come in and, and hire people to come in. We used to do that at, at my vegan protein bar company, right? We would just pay people to come in and test the bar. We'd ask them about it. Well, we don't really, you know, as, as solopreneurs, that's not so much the, the path that we take, but that's a way you could do it as well. So to recap, it's like, first start determining, okay, what is it that feels like me? You know, what could I talk about forever? People say that a lot, but it's true because when you start your business, you're going to be like honing in on the same <laughs> couple of messages over and yes. over again. <laughs> so can you keep talking about it forever and ever? Great. Okay. Do you have access to this type of community? Does this exist in your space? Do you feel like you could readily find people within it? And then once you answer those questions, start to drill it down and then start doing research into what exists or what people need. Um, and then the last kind of puzzle piece is like um, determining if people will pay for what you, for what you, what you have to offer. That's kind of the, the nitty gritty of the last part, right? You have to start to determine what people's budgets are within this niche. So like the nonprofit space, for example, where I used to work, you're going to have a much different business model um, mm -hmm. if your, if your ideal clients are going to be nonprofits, then if you are a designer, that's looking to work with e-commerce brands in the lifestyle space, you know, CBD commerce brands or something like that. So, uh, that's definitely something to consider. Does it mean you can't work with nonprofits? No, but maybe you consider if you're a web designer, you consider doing templates and working with nonprofits in, in a templated, uh, capacity or something like that. I hope that was yes. helpful. Does that answer the question? <laughs> so insanely helpful. Yeah. I feel like there's so much value in it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That of is so course. valuable. Um, so much of uh, the struggle of kind of getting caught up in the hustle of this, uh, the, you know, our industry is not realizing that as one person you have a capacity and um really just like not understanding your limits as one person for fellow solopreneurs or um just entrepreneurs small businesses so do you feel that that helped you kind of establish some boundaries in a way mm. um yeah. to 
you know, limit how much you're taking on or, you know, what, or do you outsource a lot or, I mean, what kind of, how do you, how do you kind of know what your limit is as one person? Mm, I love that. Um, I will say I, so I've, I've, I read the book Essentialism. Have you read that book? I feel like you would really like it. I don't know. I, I have it and I haven't, re- I have the book. I have not read yes, it. Yes. I read it. Um, maybe it was while I was in Europe. So at least within the last two years. And I, I do feel like I don't read a lot of business books, to be honest. I just think about my business 24 seven. So yeah. And I, I, my personal take on business books is like, a lot of them start to sound the same. That's just my own, my own opinion, my own opinion. Um, I and I need something to like, not be business for a while. So I love having books as being my, like, let's not think about our business for maybe an hour today. <laughs> so, yeah. But this was one that I did read because I felt like it, it wasn't necessarily a, it was a business book, but it was kind of a lifestyle book. Right. So the, the idea behind essentialism is, you know, I also read one called the business of one, which was a good one too. It's it the same kind of, um, same kind of, uh, theme, but, I think when you're starting a business, you can easily, it's so easy. Oh my gosh. Even when you've been in business for a while, I still struggle with this, getting caught up in what everyone else is doing and feeling like shiny object syndrome and like, oh, well she did this big launch and she's serving this and she's doing this. Okay. And then it happens to everyone. We, I still do it, you know, and it's something that I have to constantly be mindful about and try to rein it in and focus on, on me (laughs) and like, okay, that's great for them. Um, but is this what I want? And every time I come back to what I really want, and if I like, this is going to sound so Zen and like woo woo, but if I close my eyes, I legitimately envision what I want my business to look like. It is a business that is simple, right? So I don't want to have a million offers. I don't want to have a million clients. I don't want to have a big team. I I've known a lot of people go the agency route and they build uh, a design agency, I don't want that for myself. I would like to have maybe one to two, maybe like a a handful of contractors um, or I'm building a collective right now of other uh, business owners that I can work with when I'm working with clients, but I don't want a full agency. Um, I really want something that feels really simple and that can prioritize my future goals. And honestly, being in Europe has also rubbed off on me in a lot of ways. Like the hustle culture is just not on the level here that it is in the U S and it's been a really good gut check for me here to see how, especially in the Netherlands, um, how important like family and just living is for people here, like out, like not being so defined by, um, their job. It's, it's been a really, um, opening thing for me. So yeah. all of these things combined have made me sit and think, okay, what do I want? I want it to be simple. So for one, niching down absolutely has helped me keep things simple. Now, totally agree, especially when you're first starting out and you really need clients, it can be super difficult to turn work away. And this is one of those instances where I'm not going to give out advice because I realize that everyone's unique situation, like at the end of the day, you have to make money to live. And so don't feel bad if you're trying to niche down and you need money and a client comes along that's not in your niche, like do not beat yourself up about it. If you take that client, I don't want anyone to ever feel shame around that, you know? Um, so I do feel like, um, 
you know, if for me, niching down has really helped. I've definitely taken on clients though, that were not necessarily in my niche. And I basically just take it on and I, and I learn from it and I don't really put it in my portfolio. Um, and then I move on and that's okay. Um, and then in terms of like boundaries, I'm actually on my way to trying to build a business where I work with one client at a time, one one-on-one design client at a time. Um, this is something that my friend Lydia, she is a designer, um, Telltale Design Co. She basically teaches this, you know, this is what she has implemented in her business because her and I talk a lot about how we want to have a simple, a simple business, right? Um, and so she works with one client at a time and she makes like over six figures a year, which is crazy and awesome. And I'm not there yet, but I hearing her like say that out loud just felt like, okay, it is possible. We don't have to have, uh, we don't have to be hustling. She's not hustling all of the time. You know, I don't have to be in this kind of like go, go, go mindset. Um, I just have to get really good at what's important. And this is a struggle for me because I have shiny object syndrome, like crazy. I'm also a serial idea person. I don't know if you're like this. Like I could, I think of so many ideas. (laughs) It's crippling. It is. It is. So I have to rein it in. Um, but keeping things simple, that's basically my goal is to really, really, that is another reason why niching is going to work with me though, is because if I'm working with one client at a time, this is going to be a bigger investment for my clients and it's going to be an elevated experience. But they're also, because I am someone that only works with people in this niche, that's going to make the value to them even higher, right? Of investing in me over other designers. Because I'm also keeping a pulse on what's going on in this industry, right? So it's like, I know what health coaches, types of programs health coaches are launching right now and nutritionists. And I know what works on a sales page and what doesn't. Um, That's super valuable. So like for me, niching has also helped me to define that kind of simple simple business structure that I really am attaining. And that's kind of my goal for 2021. I'm not there yet. Um, but, um, yeah, I hope that answered the question, but for me, yeah, just like keeping things simple and reminding ourselves that like, we can do that. We don't have to, if we want to hustle and, and build a fast paced business, that's awesome. I know some entrepreneurs that like thrive in that and that's great. Um, but we don't have to have it that way either. You know, <laughs> it doesn't that's have to exactly, be either or. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, uh, we see it so much because a lot of people do thrive in that, uh, like space, but I totally, it's, it's funny that you say the word simple because it has come up so much for me within the last couple of years in my meditations and, you mm. know, in some of the work that I've been doing simple and slow, which is where the name of this podcast yes. comes in. But just when I truly tune in, because it is so easy to be like, uh, we, in no other industry, my husband's an engineer. I always say this in no other industry. Are we hearing so much of like, uh, so-and-so is making six figures. So-and-so is having five-figure months. Like, right. um, so-and-so has a seven-figure business, which I love seeing people succeed, of course. Uh, but we do hear it when we hear so much of what other people are doing. It's so easy. My engineering husband is not talking to his other engineers about, uh, you know, like, 
their promotions or their losses or (laughs) I don't know. So that's such a good point. (laughs) Like he's not like, Oh, you know, Greg, I, uh, I just got, you know, five figures this month, uh, because I worked overtime. Like, Oh my gosh. uh, It's so true. So I, I feel like it's, but it's easier for us to kind of compare so much and think that, Mm. um, instead of just, observing and noticing and like rooting people on and to be like, I need to be doing more. I need to implement this. Oh, that sounds fun. I could add, I could add that to my list instead of just what do I truly want for myself? Mm. And I always say the same thing that for video work, agency is kind of the next route to grow most of the time. Yep. And it's not something that I want. I really like, you know, being, uh, someone who small businesses can work with to Mm. tell their stories and stuff. So um, I definitely just aligned with everything you said so much. And I think that it's a powerful narrative because it is easy to hear the other narrative more. (laughs) Like, yeah, so much more. Um, Oh, we are kindred spirits. I can't wait to give (laughs) you a hug in real life when I come back to Denver. You're still in Denver, right? Sorry to sidetrack. Okay. Just making sure as I've said it twice and I'm like, wait, I think she's still in Denver, but yeah. No, yeah. I'm in Denver, uh, Littleton. Littleton. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely feels so aligned. I can't wait to meet you in real life. (laughs) Um, so how, I want to talk about the creative part of what you do a little bit because um, for branding, it's like, and again, I see it in my work. So I'm curious how you tackle this when you're creating something for a brand, you know, Mm -hmm. someone else's passion, someone else's like their, uh, their baby kind of, Yeah. Um, how do you, you know, help bring their, vision and dream to life while still staying true to yourself creatively? Mm. How do I bring their vision to life while still staying staying true to myself creatively? I love that. Yeah. (laughs) So asking for a friend, asking for for a friend, just like, just, just like asking for a friend. Um, I love this. So for one, I will say one of the things I just recently let go, the more I let go, the better it gets. One of the things I just let go of is the pressure to do brand design. So I, my, my, um, what I'm good at is web design and where I feel the most confident is, is web design and branding has always been something that I feel like I'm enough at, but I don't feel like my, my skill set and my energy and my background, um, really justified what clients were, were investing and trusting in me to do. And I felt so much pressure with that, that I had to do both because once again, I was looking around at what was around me and everybody else was doing brand and web, brand and web. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I got to do both, you know? Um, and so then one day I said, Lizzie, you don't have to do it. Find someone that it could be a partner with you that you trust and that's has your same type of, you know, vision and that you guys can collaborate on projects together. And like the moment that I decided that for myself, um, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. So for one, I would say the way that I like protect my own creativity while still showing up for my other clients is focusing on what I'm good at and delegating or collaborating with other creatives that are good at other things. 
Um, and honestly, it not only is, is a value to me, but it's of a huge value to my client. So like at first I had reservations. So I was like, I'm going to have to raise my prices. Um, if I'm partnering with someone, someone else, um, I would be more profitable if I would just do it all myself. But that actually was ended up not even being true because I ended up spending so much more time on something that wasn't like my zone of genius. Oh my gosh, this is the second time today I've said said that phrase and I hate that phrase, but I don't know another phrase to say, but it's funny. So I said it on my no. Instagram stories earlier. <laughs> I like it. I Your like zone it. of genius. I don't uh, hate it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, that was kind of the first thing was was that lifted the weight off my shoulder. So I'm now able to show up fully for my clients when it comes to the web design portion of their, of their project. Whereas before I felt like I was spreading myself thin across all of these different variants of, of these deliverables in this experience. So I work um, with another designer who's based out of Germany. She's a good friend of mine. Um, I'm very lucky that uh, it just kind of worked out for us to kind of have this partnership. Um, so that's definitely one of the biggest things for me. Cause now I feel like I can fully show up and be creative, um, while still, uh, holding space for my own creativity. So in terms of creativity in general, it can be hard because sometimes we don't feel creative and that's our job. I don't know if you ever feel like this to you. Cause you know, obviously you're in the creative space as well. Um, I, feel it's kind of how it's kind of like my relationship with sleep. I am notoriously not a great sleeper. And it's kind of a joke that I have to have all of these like little perfect elements that are like lined up. The stars like have to align perfectly for me to be able to have a good night's sleep. It's kind of like, you know, there's like 10 step Korean skincare. I have the 10 step bedtime routine. (laughs) If I miss miss one, I am screwed. (laughs) And for creativity, sometimes it's that way with me too. Sometimes it's random. Some days I don't feel it at all. And some days I feel like I could do creative things all day. Um, But sometimes, you know, I really do have to have kind of a routine to, to cultivate a creative environment for myself. So I think it's super, super, this is like kind of cliche advice, but it really is important to break away from your, from, from me, from my business um, and doing things that are not on the computer for one, and that just don't involve my business, um, to that always like fills me up and I'm able to come back and I always feel more creatively energized. And another thing I will say is something that I saw Molly, actually your sister talking about on her Instagram stories, I think like yesterday, which is something that I just started doing as well as a female is, um, syncing like work and creativity around my cycle, because I completely have noticed the more mindful I've become with my body and what it's telling me, the better it's been for my business. Because, um, basically I noticed that there's one week out of the month where I feel like the world is ending and I'm never going to amount to anything in my life. And (laughs) like all of these thoughts come to my head and the world is over basically. Um, that I'm not going to be super creative that week. So again, simplifying my business has been good for me and only working with one client at a time and building it up that way has been helpful because then it allows more space for those weeks to happen and me not beat myself up about it and realize, Oh no, this is just a part of being human. Like we're not going to be creative all the time. Um, That's yeah. so powerful. I, I mean, I've noticed, I mean, I've noticed it more than anything with pregnancy. Um, oh but, my gosh, I can't imagine. 
but your cycles, I mean, yeah, Molly's way more, um, Molly is my sister for anyone who doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, and Lizzie, she does the work for Lizzie. Um, but she's the best. yeah, she, um, she is way more, um, like she's way better at, um, acknowledging those things. But for me, yeah, I really started to notice the impact your body has on your creativity your your motivation, your whatever it is. Um, even my, even my mental health, my self-care practices, I don't know why I don't like to say self-care practices when I'm doing quotation marks over here. Um, but <laughs> it's the same like, way I feel about all the other phrases I've put in quotes today. It's all good. Like zone but, of genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zone of genius, your self-care practices. Um, but like, yeah, even certain times of the month, just like not being so rigid all the time with everything, with mm. how you care for your mind and how you care for your business too, yes. um, how you structure your business. It, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's like we expect to be so productive all the time and just letting go of that is, is super powerful. I also love that you said the more you let go, like the more, um, the, the easier it gets because, uh, I have a little email club that I recommend like a mindfulness book every month. And, Mm. um, one of them is called letting go and it's the pathway to surrender. And it's all about the more we, um, tune into letting go, the easier it gets, of course. And, and it's a true practice and, um, like we can reach higher levels of, of peace in our life. And, um, I love I, that. It's a really great book. It's I just really wrote it book. down. Yes. Letting um, go. Letting go. That sounds like it needs to be a book on my bookshelf. That you I would love read. it. I highly I, recommend it. On that note, I feel like, okay, I'm not a trendsetter or anything, but <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I feel like I did buy a trendy hat recently and all of a sudden I feel like I'm an influencer because I bought one hat with daisies on it, but... I, I know you did because I love that hat. Because I won't stop wearing it. I love it. Thank I love you. it. Your reels, so sweet. your reels make me cackle, by the way. <laughs> I love them. Okay. The reels are actually a great example of letting go um, because I actually love doing that. I resisted them for forever out of principle because I really hate how Instagram just tries to rip off all of these other platforms. I just, Mm. that bothers me, but eventually I caved because whatever we all do. And I started creating them. And the less that I like cared about what other people were going to think, because I totally had insecurities when I first started doing them for sure. um, The better it got. And honestly, it's something that just brings me joy. And that I find like is fun and it's actually helped grow my business a bit. And so if we can find more things like that within our, one thing I hate doing actually is writing my blog on my, on the kinship website. And I'm still doing it. If I'm being, I'm going to be totally transparent. I'm not going to give anyone advice, the things I'm not doing myself, but I still write my blog. I try to be consistent with it. Um, once a week, once every other week, because I truly have long-term goals of having a more product-driven business. And I know I'm going to want to have consistent traffic to my website. And I know that SEO is the way to do that, right? The marketer in me knows these things, but I don't actually like sitting down and writing the blog. 
So I'm going to delegate that. That's going to be one of the first things I start delegating here this summer is like finding someone that can help me with that process so that it's not such a drag for me. But something like reels, it's just so easy for me to do it that it's like, I'm just going to do like do more. People keep saying do more of what comes natural to you in your business. Um, But the trend, okay, so the trend thing is like, (laughs) this isn't a trend, I don't think, but I am predicting that there is a shift happening in terms of, um, there's kind of been, in, at least in the wellness space, right? There's been this message of like, you know, your, your morning routine and I can't live without my morning pages and I can't live without my morning meditation and my morning workout and my morning this and my morning that. I just, I think about the morning routine, right? It's like, this is the only yes. example I can think of right now. And I personally also love my morning routine and I, I, I do, but I've also learned, especially since I went off birth control, um, I had to go off birth control like a few years ago for some health reasons. And I started noticing my body so much more. Like I noticed um, how different weeks of my cycle, I'm almost a different person in some ways. Like it's crazy to me, but also kind of cool to feel like I'm super in tune with things now. But that has taught me the power of like, not have, like you said it perfectly, uh, the the rigid schedules and the rigid um, things that we put into place to be productive in our business. And like, I think about the fact that I used to be so hardcore about working nine to five and eight to five when I worked for myself. And it's like, I need to, I need to let go of that. And, and there are days when I don't sleep well. And so then I sleep in and then I would feel so guilty about sleeping in because oh, you have so much to do and you need to go be productive and you need to do your 10 step morning routine. You know, I would roll out of bed at 10 and feel so shitty about myself. And then the rest of the day was just wallowing in guilt because, you know, I didn't have my productive day. I think that now there's more of a shift away from that and more, especially in, in this like entrepreneur space where we have the flexibility and the freedom is to move more intuitively in our businesses. Like, Yes. You know, like just, I, I, I'm seeing a bit of it more. I'm seeing a bit less of this pressure of people trying to, uh, adhere to these, these things. It's like, that's how I, that's how my relationship with meditation is. I I'm very open about it. Um, I, I joke about how I have been trying to have a habit of meditation since forever. And it is not, it's a jungle gym as well. It's not perfect. Um, but I keep at it, but I don't, I don't let myself feel guilty around the fact that like I'm, I'm not consistent with it. And that can apply to all aspects of our businesses as well. Does that make sense? Like, yes, no, like so much more intuition. And I, I think, um, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about listening to your body more. Yeah. um, That is so powerful to align with your business and just your, your practices. Yeah. I think, um, like, the word discipline has always been like a trigger word for me. I don't Mm, know why it's like, I, I don't, that word doesn't resonate for me. It might some people, um, but like moving towards the opposite, which is more like, I feel like intuition, um, Mm. in a way. Um, but yeah, I like, I, I love that we are kind of encouraging each other more. I feel like, to listen to ourselves and like go inward in order to kind of figure out what is best instead of just kind of walking around on autopilot. Definitely. Uh, I'm sure it's going to, it's going to be having a child, right. Is probably going to teach a lot of that too. Like I can, 
you know, just yes. going with the flow and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was journaling this morning. Um, I had like just a rough day yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I was journaling about where this was all coming from. And it always, I feel like it always comes back for me to just like my incessant desire for control. Mm. Like I always just, I have a, 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 planning problem <laughs> where um, I spend way more time writing lists and like, plans <laughs> than I do actually doing yes. anything. No, that's probably not Procrastinating. <laughs> I call it procrastinating because I do yes. it too. <laughs> yes. It's obsessive. It's yeah. obsessive list making and um, planning. And uh, it's definitely just a product of this like seeking control somehow when mm. uh, as soon as I just notice myself in that space, I realize, oh yeah, um, control is an illusion <laughs> in this life. And the more we let go of our desire for control, uh, the more we can just find joy in the present, <laughs> in the it's moment. So true. It's all we're guaranteed, which is kind of corny, I know, but but it's true. It is over It's so true, yeah. right? Just look at COVID. Yes. Like we could have never thought <laughs> We'd be living yeah. the time that we are now. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, so. Lizzie, I could talk to you all day long. You're <laughs> such a light. You're amazing. Um, but I guess uh, we should probably wrap up. So yes. um, what is, I guess, like what's kind of one thing, one tool that has helped you, um, and we may have already talked about it, but. Uh, that's helped you kind of embrace slowness in our fast-paced world? Mm, a tool that's helped me to embrace slowness in our fast-paced world. I love that question. Because to be, I mean, to be totally honest, I'm not always good about it. My husband is so much better about slowing down and being mindful and he's not even trying to be. It's like he's not, you know, he's not like a wellness guru. He's an accountant. <laughs> uh, girl, I relate to that so much. Our stories are the same. My husband yes, is an engineer. And right. I'm like, how are you just so like present and joyful? Yeah. And like, it takes no effort. You're not like thinking about death all the time like I am. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And it's it's just... It's interesting. So I will say Morgan, my husband, has been a tool for that. Like, like uh, he is honestly, I'm very grateful for him because he is a good reminder to me of what's important. Um, I also feel like, hmm, to honestly, self-compassion. Because I could sit here and I could say meditation or my exercise habit um, or you know, anything, my eating healthy, whatever. Um, those are all great things, but I'm not always super consistent with most things is the thing, <laughs> the thing. Um, <laughs> but ha having self-compassion and it's really hard for me sometimes. It's probably hard for a lot of us. I'm, I'm guessing, um, has been a huge way for me to step out of the ridiculousness of the stress that I create in my head and look at it for what it is. So for example, I like kind of name my anxiety and she's just like this, she has a personality and she's like that crazy bitch Becky at the bar 
and you know she's my just my mom's name is Becky oh I'm sorry mom I'm sorry no Becky. it's not it. no it's not that was a joke that was a joke <laughs> okay good <laughs> um yeah so she I was just think, I was also laughing the day how like no kids are going to be named Karen moving forward or like Chad there's gonna be no more Chads and Karens in the world born after no more Chads and Brads yeah <laughs> or yeah and I also read that um Karens are getting less interaction on uh dating Oh I gosh. Felt, I feel oh, sad no, for them. I'm sorry, Karen. Oh, I feel bad. So, okay. you know, Becky or whoever she is, it doesn't have to be Becky. I actually have a friend named Becky who I love. But um, yeah, I, I name her and basically when I'm when I'm super stressed out or when I'm not being mindful or when I'm not a lot of the times, right? Because this comes back to slowness. When I'm not doing, when I'm not living mindfully and slowly, it's usually based out of stress that I've created in my head. So what have I tried to do with that stress? The tool that I use is I literally try to personify my stress and I talk to it like, you know, sometimes it's Becky. Sometimes it's like a bro frat bro actually is a lot of the time I pretend like it's that guy that like... (laughs) from the frat party that's like oh yeah (laughs) and I just am like dude like shut the f up like what are we even stressing about you are so annoying like just go you know funnel a beer or whatever and it and it's just enough for me to kind of laugh at myself and be like okay it is kind of ridiculous that I was stressing out about this Canva template like let's reel it back in and then it kind of helps me to kind of ground again so I guess if I had a tool, it would be, and and that comes back to self-compassion, right? Because it's like me personifying my stress is me detaching my self-worth and myself from stress, which is self-compassion. So yeah, just name your stress, like give it some ridiculous personification. I mean, it can be, it can be a bitch or it could be something ridiculous. Like maybe it's like this woman who like is very type A and she's she does show she's like best in show and she's like very crazy about her dog that like has to be the number one dog at the best in show every year. Like have fun with it. The fun, the more fun you have with it, the easier it is for you to snap out of stressful moments. Cause you can envision that ridiculous person and be like, you know what, Susan, that's enough. <laughs> oh, Lizzie. <So>, yeah. <laughs> You're my favorite human. Oh my oh, gosh. Thank you. Best. Thank you for That's... like talking to me. <laughs> That's so incredible. Thank you so much insight. Yes. I'm like going to re- listen to this every morning. Um, so can you tell everyone how to find you if they're, you know, in the health and wellness space, how can they work with you? You know? Yeah. So I'm obviously on Instagram. That's kind of the one place where I hang out. So kinship underscore content is where you'll find me on Instagram. I'm also starting a second account because I'm crazy. Um, next week, that's going to be more geared towards just like wellness and health stuff. Cause I really was like spamming my, so my uh, web design audience with, smoothies and stuff like that. So I will be starting a second account as well. But for now, you can find me at kinship underscore content. And then I also have a website, obviously kinshipcontent.com. But yes, please say hi. Um, I'm super social on Instagram. I don't really do any other of the of the socials at this point. (laughs) Okay, got it. Super social on social. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie, for being here. Thank Um, you. You are such a light. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so honored to have been been podcasted on this show. It was so fun. This was actually a really, really great combo. I loved it. I love it.